Longtime fans of the show should be familiar with the lender formerly known as Sue Pullen, and I'm pleased to announce that she's back, fresh off a rebrand and ready to help as Sue Mackey. Sue is a certified mortgage advisor at Fairway Independent Mortgage, an equal housing lender who focuses on finding the right product for you and your needs. She has over 20 years of experience helping thousands of homeowners. Whether it's purchasing, refinancing, or even a reverse mortgage, Sue will help. Sue's licensed in 36 states now, so reach out and let Sue Mackey it happen for you. The best way to reach her is just give her a call at 520-977-7904 or in an email, spullen at fairwaymc.com. Fairway Independent Mortgage has an MLS number of 2289. Sue Mackey has an MLS number of 206048. That email again, spullen at fairwaymc.com. And that phone number is 520-977-7904. Shoot Sue an email and let her know she needs to update that address. You are listening to an entertainment program put together by a company called Financial Ineptitude. Anything said on this show is not an endorsement or professional advice. Would you really want to tell a court of law you were suing us because you thought taking financial advice from two idiots on a podcast put out by Financial Ineptitude was a good idea? Really? Clown hats on your face. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the China Shop. I'm your host, Kyle, and today I am joined by the adept and altruistic Anmal Singh, founder of Live Traders and the author of Prepping for Success. If you'd like to learn more about Anmal, make sure you check out his website at livetraders.com, or you can grab a copy of that aforementioned book. It is on Amazon right now. Uh, and finally, if you'd like to reach out with any suggestions, corrections, or questions for future guests, you can do that via email at twobulls at financialineptitude.com, or you can join our free Discord server where a bunch of amazing people gather to share our struggles and lessons learned with other like-minded market aficionados. And we'll have all those links in the episode description so you can peruse them at your convenience. Now that we got that, business stuff out of the way. Let's get to know today's guest. Anmal, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to chatting with you. Yeah, it's kind of a last minute thing here. I, um, I mentioned as before we hit the recording here that I'm planning to take a trip to Phoenix tomorrow. So uh, thank you for having the quick turnaround time on getting this thing scheduled. No, definitely. And you said your business partner is located out in Phoenix? Yep. He used to be in Phoenix. Uh, now he's in Scottsdale. We're actually having our live uh, trading event next uh, next month. It's going to be hosted in Phoenix. Oh, dang it. What? It's not going to be uh, in the next week, is it? Uh, no, it's, it's in uh, November 4th, November 7th. So a couple of Ah, damn it. No, I should push my trip back a month. <laughs> It'd be fun to go check that out. Yeah. Um, how'd you meet the guy? I, you spent a lot of time in Arizona? No, no, I'm in New York City. So I'm in New York. Uh, he's always been in Arizona, um, but he used to you know, teach me how to trade. Like He was my mentor. So early on, oh, uh, no. when I was starting to learn how to trade, that's when I came across Jared. And uh, he was, you know, teaching for a different company at that time uh, as a prop firm. I joined mm -hmm. that prop firm and started trading uh, the prop firm's capital. So that's how it started. That's how I met him. And then uh, when that firm got bought out in 2015, I, I called him. I said, hey, you know, I'm your case study right here. Why don't, instead of you joining <laughs> the firm that's been bought out, why don't we team up and we start this uh, to teach the same method you used on me on other people? It sounds like you guys are pretty successful, too. I saw that you've been rated number one for the last three years which that's quite an accomplishment with the amount of competition in this space. Yeah, definitely. I think there's definitely a lot of competition, but I think uh, kind of what the name is, you know, the live traders is what separates us is we trade live every single day. So for the last, uh, you know, we started in 2015 and every single day since it was live streamed, uh, win or lose, you know, people get to see it in real time. So I think that's why that's one of the things that people liked. That's one of the things I love to see because you don't see that very often from 
a lot of the other furus out there, they never show their losing trades or they don't even show their trades either. Like the totally do after the market commentary. Yeah. Yeah. That's the big thing in trading. Cause you know, everybody can talk a great game. They can teach Everybody can make slideshows and stuff like that, but can you back it up every single day? I think that's right. one of the days and we do it five days a week, Monday to Friday every day. So you kind of mentioned a little bit how you met uh, your business partner, but how did you get, let's go back a little further. How'd you get into like trading in general? So I was in my college in my dorm room and uh, in London and there before you graduate, you have to have like one year's worth of work experience, either internship or a job or something before you Mm -hmm. can graduate. And then that year I was applying to a lot of different jobs and internships and I just couldn't get in anywhere. Didn't get a single little job. So I said, okay, I have to probably (laughs) figure something else. Uh, And I was in my dorm reading a lot of books on this topic, reading a lot of videos, taking courses because I had to do something in that year, uh, not waste it. So um, I did that and I really got curious about it, really got into it. And that's uh, where I was uh, taking a course online and Jared was one of the top, you know, instructors and he was talking about losing trades a lot more than his winners, which I really like. It was a fresh change for me mm-hmm. uh, to that. And that's kind of where I got started, uh, joined the prop firm and started on a demo account. Then they gave me 50,000 to trade with 75 and it just kept going up all the way to level 10 where they give you $10 million to trade. And in exchange, they took 30% of everything that I made. Um, so I started there. Uh, and I just, you know, got into it, worked my way up in the firm from level one, level five, level six. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, that's how the originality of trading started. It sounds like it was a pretty smooth entry then. Was it uh, Was it as smooth as you described it? Were there a lot of ups and downs along the, the path? I, I wish I wish it was that smooth. I think, you know, <laughs> now, I, <laughs> now I can talk about it. But, you know, the first year I lost money on my whole first year. I yeah. didn't make any, a single dime. I think uh, I called up my dad, said, hey, you know, I'm learning this trading thing. And, you know, how Indian parents are, we think about it as gambling. We don't believe in the stock market. You got to be a doctor or a lawyer or somebody <laughs> like that. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, but you know, my, my dad, uh, we had saved up some money. I said, Hey, the money that we've been saving up, can I have that? I'd like to use it for, you know, for trading. And he said, okay, you know, he, he thought it'll be a great lesson for me to lose it all and never go back to the market. Uh, (laughs) Gotta love parents, right? Yeah. He he gave me $10,000 and sure enough, I lost 5,000 of that. Like within first month, I lost all of it, you know, half of it. And then I had like five or 6,000 remaining. That's when I joined the prop firm. You had to have a buy-in to the prop firm. So you put mm-hmm. up that capital and then in, in exchange, they put you in their program. Um, so that's how it originally started. But yeah, the whole, I didn't make any money my first year, lost money. Second year was kind of break even-ish, you know, getting there. Third year is when I finally started making money. Mm-hmm. But it's still, even the third year when I was making money, it wasn't like anything to write home about, right? Right. Oh, yeah. you just, so basically, you weren't losing anymore. Exactly. I mean, you're making yeah. money, but it's not gonna. You, it's not a great living, so to speak. Right. So fourth year is when I really started getting it. You know, when I was when I realized that okay, it's not really about the chart patterns. Like I know all of that. It's about mm-hmm. your ability to stick to it. It's about mm-hmm. your ability to follow through and follow your trading plan and be disciplined and not trade on emotion. So once I mastered that part, um, that's when you know a lot of the things change. When I just stop trading emotionally and more so based on statistics and my trading plan. Was there any like specific moments that kind of stand out to you that had a big effect on that realization? Yeah, I remember, um, you know, there was a time, you know, I was in my toilet and I was looking at, you know, the mirror and that is a prop firm when I was trading for. So they would give you levels. Okay, if you hit, let's say $500 a week, two weeks in a row, we'll promote you to a next level. 
Mm-hmm. The next level might be a thousand dollars a week, two weeks in a row. And I, there was a time where I just plateaued at like I think I was a level three in the firm where mm-hmm. I was trading hundred and fifty thousand of their uh, dollars of their capital, and I kept missing my targets all the time. Uh, like I would hit it one week, but you had to hit it two weeks in a row to get be promoted. So I hit it one week. The next week I would do something stupid or. You know, I would miss my target, but let's say $100. So to try to make up that $100, that manufactured trades that didn't exist. Right? right. And then I would miss that target. And I, I just kept, I got stuck there for like a many, many months. And I remember looking at myself in the mirror in, the, in my bathroom and I was like, man, is this like, is this my potential? Like, is this how far I can get? You know, that's a pretty big plateau. Maybe I should give up. Maybe I should quit. I thought about it many, many times. And I remember uh, I called Jared and I said, hey, I think, I don't know if I can, you know, continue on because I'm stuck here and I think this is how good I am. He's mm-hmm. like, okay, let me take a look at your trades. And what if you just held it as per your plan to your target and you didn't sell it too soon? You didn't get out too quickly on the trade. And I worked out the numbers and yeah, if I just held on to what I said I was the stock is going to do, like my trading plan, my mm-hmm. analysis, I would have hit my targets. Right. So it was then I realized that it's not about the charts or about the trading strategy. It's actually about me. I would sell too soon. I would hold on to losers too long, hoping they'll come back up. If I just eliminated those mistakes, I could actually be really profitable. So that's when I realized, wow, it's actually just about my emotions. Wow. that's um, That seems to be like the realization a lot of people have, I think, that I've spoken to. is Like a lot of people have the knowledge, but it all comes down to, like you said, whether you can execute and stick to your plan. Like, Can you hold it and let those targets hit or are you going to sell short and cost yourself money are you going to take stops that are outsized uh, like a lot of it all just seems to come right back to what's in between like your ears right 100% because you know anybody can learn how to trade but it takes a different mindset to learn how to make money mm-hmm. can you speak to some of the the differences then as you as you see them now looking back yeah i think back then um, there was a couple things a you have to back test your trades so all the strategies that we do we test them over different market environments, you know, up mm-hmm. markets, down markets, earning seasons, non-earning seasons. We'd back test all these strategies. Then we know, okay, this strategy has a win rate of 62%. It's gonna, and the winner is going to be X amount. Loser is going to be X amount. So now you work out the expectancies, what we call it, the trade expectancy formula. You could Google that online. Listeners can mm-hmm. Google that. But in that, so now that I know, if, if every single winner... I just ensure if my winners are twice the size of my losers, if I just ensure that, then I, I could be wrong six out of 10 times and still make money, yeah. right? I yep. could be right four times out of 10 and still make money. So it's not about having a high win rate. Where a lot of people, newer traders think that they need to have a high win rate. Not really. If I think if you're winning 50%, that's great. As long as your winners are twice your losers, then it's just like a casino, right? Casino yeah. has the edge, the odds in their favor. So that's the only thing I work on is like try to get odds in my favor. Once I have that, now see how emotionally controlled you can be when you know what to expect. You know mm-hmm. that if you take 100 trades, you're going to lose, let's say, on 40 of them. 60 of them are going to make money. So you know if a loser happens, do not be too down on yourself. It's part of the overall strategy. That is one of the hardest things that I've found is like when you've done all the work, you've done all the back testing, and then you go and you try to do it live. Uh, even if it's in a simulated environment, like it seems like the first like five trades are always wrong or losers. And then you immediately write back to that self-doubt again and all that hard work you just did, like you're questioning it again. Yeah, like, how do you... that's the beauty about trading because, you know, <laughs> as we talked about, if you have a 60% win rate, then you know, okay, four can be losers, but it's also possible the four losers come back to back. Right. right? <laughs> right. So that is when you kind of, that's where the emotional control and self-discipline comes in. 
are there any uh like uh what's the right word not tools or coping mechanisms or any exercises you do when like you find yourself uh like starting to question the work that you've done i mean is you know just g-u-a-l we talk about is just get up and leave you know put your targets (laughs) put your stop your stop loss in the system right so your risk is protected put your Mm -hmm. target in the system and now don't mess with the trade let the odds work out you know the more we try to tweak it optimize it fix it you know try to i think it's going to come down let me sell it here i'll buy it back the more we try to work the trade the worse it is for your psychology. The easiest mm-hmm. thing to do is plan out the trade beforehand. And it's okay, this is my exit point if I'm wrong. This is my exit point if I'm right. And now you just let the trade freaking work. Don't mess with it. You know, that's I just had a thought about that, that by getting up and walking away, you are following exactly what you've like put to paper, right? It's your plan. Exactly. And if it doesn't work, then you, the plan didn't work. It's not you that meddled and, and uh, pardon the French, but fucked it up. Like, I think yeah. that's where a lot of the the self-doubt and like the real, like the, those critical thoughts and like the, the anxiety and all that comes in is when you start to go in there and meddle with it. And then the changes that you do are what is costing you money. Yeah. And one of the exercises I give a lot of my students is, okay, write down as per your plan, last hundred trades, if you followed your plan completely, how much you would have made. And then in the next column, write down how much you actually made using mm-hmm. your brain, right? Thinking, you know, too much. So write down what you actually did and what you would have made if you held to your plan. That's the biggest eye-opener. That was a big eye-opener for me because I, I look back over my last six months and I say, okay, my plan actually made, let's say, X amount, right? Mm-hmm. And I, using my brilliant brain, I was actually losing money. So I'm like, wow. So if I just take the exact same trades that I took, but if I just held it to as per my plan, I would have actually been profitable. So then mm-hmm. that's a big eye-opener, but you know, looking those number, looking at those numbers on a spreadsheet, because you know, anybody can lie to you. Spreadsheet's not gonna lie to you, numbers are not gonna lie to you. So I think that looking at a hardcore facts in your face is I think it'll give you that it'll appeal to your logical brain to say, okay, I should stop messing around and just do what my plan says. I love that. So so you uh tell me about the book then, because the book is a lot more general than just specifically uh like learning how to trade or trading help, trading psychology. Like this is something that looks like it applies to all aspects of life. Totally. I mean, th- this book has really nothing to do with trading, but it still has everything to do with trading because it's all about your psychology. It's about your mindset, how you approach things. And uh, one of the things I talk about in the book is, you know, basic concept of integrity, like mm-hmm. being a person of integrity, do what you said you're going to do and then do it when you said you're going to do it. There's no ifs and buts, right? Like mm-hmm. so that applies to your trading. You have a trading plan, you've tested it, now, do what your plan said you're going to do. If you're going to exit a trade here, make sure you exit the trade there. So uh, trading with integrity is a big thing. So a lot of the concepts in the book are not to do with trading, but they apply to trading. And these are just rules that I wrote for myself after you know, working on my mindset, hiring mm-hmm. a ton of coaches and mentors and you know, going to different seminars and workshops and doing all those things, spent hundreds of thousands of dollars in my personal development. So these were just notes for myself that I wrote. Uh, and, you know, one of my friends came by, he read my notes. He's like, wow, this is actually really good. You should try to turn this into a book. That's when I got the idea. Okay, maybe I can. Um, mm-hmm. And then that's, you know, where it started. But it was just notes for myself on what I need to do to be successful. Wow. Um, tell me more about the four laws then, because uh, I know I was able to read through like some of the sample treatments. And uh, one of the, that, that was one of the things that really kind of stuck out to me, the four laws that you kind of highlighted there. Yeah. So I think, you know, we, we talked about integrity, the, the other part, like the, the 10 keys I talk about in the book. And then the second one was just being a person of action. Cause a lot of times, you know, we read a lot of stuff and people do that all the time. They go from one book to another book 
right? This book to that yeah. book, one podcast, another podcast, one video to another video. Just keep hopping around. They just become sort of like information, you know, just hoarding information rather than actually acting on it. So I think that's one of the things is stop being stuck in the learning loop where you think you're missing something. I want to mm-hmm. learn more. I got to learn more. And that's coming from a place of lack. Rather apply it. I'd rather people read one book and fully apply that than go and read 10 books and try to not do anything and just move on. Because there's a huge difference between you know, knowledge and information. So a lot of people think, oh, I'm really knowledgeable. Not really. right? True knowledge is applied <laughs> right. knowledge. You know, your life should demonstrate the evidence of you applying that knowledge. If it doesn't, that's just information. Ah, oh, that's an interesting uh, distinction. Like I could read a book on how to build a bridge, but until I've actually went and tried to do it, like yeah. that knowledge is, I mean, yeah, it gives me a leg up from somebody who has no idea what they're doing, but it's still probably going to fail. Yeah, it's just information. I mean, people can Google information and they'll get a great amount of information, but true knowledge is when you can apply it and there's evidence in your life showing that you applied it. I also like that too, because a lot of the times, like we think that we need more knowledge, but that's not necessarily the case either. Like, I think a lot of the people who have been struggling for a year or two probably have all the knowledge that they need at that point. Like really, it's just about putting it all together and coming up with something that works for you that you can execute. Absolutely. And I, I opened my book with that. I said, hey, there's nothing new here. <laughs> you probably yeah, have read yeah. it in some form or fashion. You've read it. You, you know it, right? It's just that you don't act on it. And that's why every single chapter in the book I ended with, okay, before you move on to the next chapter, you got to do these four things, right? So make sure mm-hmm. you really apply that material and integrate it in your life because otherwise it's just going to be another book you read. And yeah, it's a great book, but if you didn't act on it, then what good is it? So I think that's one of the things is realizing you don't need more information. You just need more action. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things when I was looking through this, so the, the four major laws that you mentioned are the principles that govern our success in life. Um, you've called out knowledge, patience, competence, and discipline. And I thought knowledge was a really neat one that was on there. Like you spent a lot of time talking about just self-improvement and like learning for the sake of learning almost. Right. Yeah. The, the KPCD formula, because, you know, a knowledge, you need to know what to do first of all. Right. And then, but then after you've got the knowledge, now you need to have patience to wait for the right opportunity. And like all of this applies to trading too. Yeah. Oh yes. You know, knowledge on knowing what to do, patience to be waiting for that opportunity and then see calm for confidence, having the confidence when the opportunity presents itself to pull the trigger, to act mm-hmm. on it rather than just keep watching from the sidelines. And then now that you've exec- executed on it with confidence, last step is discipline. Follow through on your plan before getting out. So once you follow that and anything, that applies to an entrepreneur running his business. It applies to traders, applies to everything. It's a KPC formula for success. Yeah, well said. One of the things that uh, also kind of stuck out on here, you talked about like the com- the difference between common sense and the actual application of that. And the example that you, you pointed to was like, we all know what we need to do to lose weight, yeah. but yet 71% of America is basically obese or overweight, but they know what to do, but nobody actually goes and does it. Why do you think it's so difficult to actually get started on that path to self-improvement? Because we negotiate with ourselves, right? We have these little nego- little micro negotiations that go in our mind. And again, I'm, I'm guilty of the same thing. You know, last uh, three, four years, I was traveling all over the world, you know, living the business dream, chasing the money dream, right? Also having a mm-hmm. good time. And I, I kind of let go of my health too. And I was like, okay, I mean, how, how did that even happen? How did I get to this point? And then it, it dawned on me, that it's not about and having that knowledge, but those little negotiations we make with ourselves. Today, it's okay. It's just one day. Right. And then it, uh, it translates into a whole week. And then you're like, okay, it's just, you know, it's Friday. I'll start from Monday. 
right? And then Monday comes, you're like, well, but it's the 28th of the month. I'll start from the first, <laughs> right? right? Those little right. micro negotiations that we don't notice, but they add up and they cause a tremendous impact in our life. And that's how I impacted my health in a negative way in that uh, time frame when I was traveling. Well, today it's okay. I can go to this party. You know, I could do this. I could do that. And then you kind of let go. And I think that's one of the things you put yourself back on it. And you, again, have the patience with yourself, but then the discipline, the confidence, yes, I can do it. And the discipline to follow through. I think that's one of the key characteristics. Wow. That's, that uh, feels like you're, you're reading my journals almost. Because <laughs> uh, yeah, that, uh, that, I think we all do that. Like, oh yeah, I don't need to go to bed early today. I'll just, uh, I'll just go to bed. I can, I can make deal with one, one day, you know, not going to bed on time and then wake up late. And then now your sleep schedule is all screwed up for the rest of the week. And you're like, oh, I'll just start fresh on Monday. No big deal. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. You just keep negotiating yourself out ad infinitum. Yeah. And it's the worst negotiation because you, no matter how much you negotiate, you're going to become out of the losing end of the negotiation. <laughs> <laughs> That's another good point. Jeez. Longtime fans of the show should be familiar with the lender formerly known as Sue Pullen. And I'm pleased to announce that she's back. Fresh off a rebrand and ready to help is Sue Mackey. Sue is a certified mortgage advisor at Fairway Independent Mortgage, an equal housing lender who focuses on finding the right product for you and your needs. She has over 20 years of experience helping thousands of homeowners. Whether it's purchasing, refinancing, or even a reverse mortgage, Sue will help. Sue's licensed in 36 states now, so reach out and let Sue Mackey it happen for you. The best way to reach her is just give her a call at 520-977-7904 or in an email, spullen at fairwaymc.com. Fairway Independent Mortgage has an MLS number of 2289. Sue Mackey has an MLS number of 206048. That email again, spullen at fairwaymc.com. And that phone number is 520-977-7904. Shoot Sue an email and let her know she needs to update that address. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Okay, so like on the one hand, yeah, we don't want to let ourselves win those micro negotiations all the time. But also, like, is there a a worry about going too far on the other side, like never cutting yourself any slack, never letting yourself slip or being too hard on yourself. Like when you do end up failing. Yeah. And that, that, you know, you can set up a reward system for yourself. Like, you know, now and again, it's okay. Like I, you know, you got to give yourself some slack where if you've been working hard, the thing is, what are you going to do? The Pareto principle, 80, 20, right? Mm -hmm. As long as you're doing the correct things, 80% of the time, 20% of the time, if you don't do it, like it's okay, right? Live your Mm. life. It's fine. But like, don't be too hard on yourself. But but you got to make sure you're at least doing 80% of the time or 80% of the days, 80% of the hours in the day, you're doing, you know, with discipline. Now, mm-hmm. 20% an hour, sure, have fun, go meet some friends, play some golf, you know, do whatever you need to do. 
But that 80-20 rule applies here too. Is like, you know, most of the time you got to be on your A game. Again, it depends on, <laughs> it's not for everybody, right? Like look at Elon Musk. He's on 100% all the time. I couldn't do that the way he oh, I know. several different companies. SpaceX then goes to Tesla, then goes to X. Like I can't do that either. But it's about like how much are your dreams worth to you? The only, right. you can, only you can answer that question, right? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, there's another thing you talked about in the book too, was the definition of success that I found was kind of interesting. Yeah. I don't know that I necessarily define that for myself. Like what do I consider successful? And that seems like a very important thing that you've got to figure out if you want to actually go and achieve any of those goals. You've got to know where you're going. Absolutely. And, you know, my definition of success has evolved over time. You know, when I started, it was just about, okay, financial success. If I have more money, then that means I'm successful. If I have a great mm-hmm. business, then I'm successful. But then that's kind of what dawned on me that, okay, I met this, one of my mentors. He's an older guy, really successful business owner. And I, I talked to him. He's like, but hey, imagine you have all this money, right? And now you got a massive headache or you have a sore throat, right? doesn't matter mm-hmm. how much money you have. You're going to be miserable, right? So your health is also priority. And then it kind of, my definition of success evolved over time because I could have, I could be really successful monetarily, but if my health is a mess, if my relationships are a mess, I can't even get along with anybody, then am I really successful? Probably yeah. not. At the same time, you meet people who are in the best shape of their life. They got six pack abs. But if you're broke, is that really success? Not really. So then mm-hmm. I defined that success is having harmony in all areas of your life, right? Your relationships, your health, your wealth, right? Overall, your mindset. So once you are achieving success in all areas of your life and you being okay with where you're at in each of those areas, right? Mm-hmm. That is true success. But paying attention and harmonizing all those areas and not being a one-dimensional person. Is there a difference between uh, being okay with where you're at and also still wanting to improve? Absolutely. I think in your mind, you know, okay, I'm doing my best, right? This is where I want to go. But Mm -hmm. at the moment, yeah, I'm okay with where I'm at. And, you know, I can work on it. I can strive for more. You can always strive for more and have more ambition. But you need to be okay with where you're at. You know, what I mean by that is a lot of times deep down, let's say, we're not doing we, there's things we know we should be doing. There's mm-hmm. things we know we can do, but we're not doing it. And that's when you're not okay with it. That's when you're not okay with yourself, right? Right. But if you are doing everything, you're functioning on your A game, you're firing on all cylinders, right? You're going meeting after meeting. Let's say your day is packed, your schedule is packed, you're meeting people, your calendar is full, you're doing everything that needs to be taken. Then you're going to be okay with where you're at. The only deep down our unconscious mind knows, hey, I'm not giving it my best. I could be doing it way more, right? And that's when you're yeah. going to be with yourself. That's a great point too. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, I think that's when I feel the downest is when I put something off, but I am also not happy with where I'm sitting right now too. Right. But and, that's and also that kind of, of a really like hard spiral to dig yourself out of. So like, how do you, like, how do you keep yourself motivated to keep doing those things then? I think it's just, you know, not giving yourself too much idle time. I think ideal time is when uh, we end up messing up. So I try to pack my calendar. So the night before, I think Jordan Peterson talked about it, having your ideal day where you schedule out, okay, if I did all these things, this is an ideal day. I'd be really happy with my day, right? Mm-hmm. Great. Now just go out and schedule that day, right? Yeah. So if you schedule out that day, you're going to have that ideal day, right? But if your calendar is a lot of empty spots in your calendar, you know, you're just sitting on your computer, you're browsing the internet, you're watching stuff, you're not actually taking action. You're just mm-hmm. gathering more information, uh, then you're not going to have the ideal day and you're not going to feel good about yourself. But if you're firing on all cylinders, right, you're utilizing your time correctly like Elon does, then at the end of the day, you're going to sleep really well because you know you did everything. You gave it your all. Ah, oh, man, my wife's going to love this episode. She's a huge fan of lists. 
she wants to have as many things on a checklist as she can because the the joy she gets from crossing an item off is what keeps her going. That's a great strategy psychologically because right. it it, gives, it trains your brain with the dopamine receptors. Every time you check something up, it gives you that good feeling. So you want to keep doing more and more of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned a couple different times mentors. Uh, that's something that we've kind of talked a little bit about on this program, but never really dove too deep into it. Like how important was your mentor to your success? And then it looks like you've also been doing a lot of mentorships for other people. Tell me about the differences between the roles from being on the receiving end of a mentorship and being on the other side of it. Yeah, I think mentorship and apprenticeship and all these things, uh, it's a lost art. You know, back in the day, that's how successful business owners used to grow is you'd have somebody, you clerk for somebody, right? You work for somebody, you maybe their caddy at golf club. Right. There's all these things that you would hear about previous successful people in their autobiography. It's a lost art now because people want instant gratification. They want the results now. They want to be that guy rather than humbling yourself and say, okay, I'm going to devote myself to this person and I'm going to learn everything from him. And then- because, you know, before a student can become a master, first you got to become a student. Right. It's as simple as that. So I think uh, that's what I try to surround myself with mentors in all areas of my life, you know, from trading, then when it comes to business, I'd have different mentors. Uh, recently, I've been working with a trainer, so I have a health mentor, right? Mm-hmm. I try to get mentors in all areas of your life because, you know, you could go out, research for hundreds of hours, something, spend all of your hours, or you could just pay somebody for it. Right. So, I mean, you're <laughs> gathering somebody's experience who's studied this thing for his life and you're getting all of his life experience in just a short amount of money or a short amount of time. Like that's worth a lot. You could go out and trial and error it yourself, waste a lot of time and energy, but time is more valuable to me than money is. So money, I can make it back. Time, I could never get back. So I would rather, you know, hire the experts who know more than me. And that comes from a place of humbling yourself, realizing you don't know everything. You're not the mm-hmm. best at everything. I might be really good at trading, but maybe not at other things. So then there are people who are smarter than me, and I will try to surround myself because I'm getting all of the years worth of experience for in a short amount of time. What do you think goes into like a good mentor? Like what what should you expect from somebody who's who knows like who really is doing it right? You should want to be able to trade places with them, right? Because mm-hmm. if you don't want to trade places with them, then that's not the right person to learn from. Like for example, and that doesn't mean trade places in all of their life. For example, if I'm learning to trade from somebody, okay, you, you're watching their trading results, you're observing it. Now, would you want those trading results? If right. yes, then that's a great person to learn from. Now, if I'm working with a personal trainer, he is ripped, right? Like, he <laughs> right. Is in great shape. I would want to trade places with that in terms of my body is concerned. So then you want to be able to trade places with them. That's the biggest barometer that I go by. And then secondly, you know, how do you get along with them? Can you Mm -hmm. get along with them on a personal level outside of just a business relationship? I think that's really important too. And uh, their ability to coach and train you through that uh, because there's a lot of great mentors that have all the best information. But if they can't inspire you to take action on that information, then it's just more information. You might as well get it off Google. Mm -hmm. So a great mentor needs to be able to push you as well as motivate you, inspire you, and give you the best information. Yeah, it's uh, something that I've I've noticed when I've talked to people about this, uh, either on the podcast or just out in you know my general life, uh, is that it's a two way street. Like the the mentor the mentor has to have some certain things that you got to look for, but the mentoree also should be looking for certain things from his mentor and expecting certain things from them too. Like it's not just a, a one way knowledge flow. Like there should be there's there's needs on both sides that need to be met. Absolutely. I think absolutely. And you need to know uh, what you're looking from that mentorship relationship 
before you get into it. You know, mm-hmm. like a lot of times you'll get messages from people on Instagram or Twitter. Hey, would you be my mentor? I'm like, that's not how you get a mentor. <laughs> you know, you just, <laughs> you just, you just ask them the question. So what, what does that even mean? Would you be my mentor? Like, does that mean I'm going to hold your hand? No. Right. Like instead, mentorship could be as simple as if I, let's say, like somebody on Instagram, I'm like, hey, I want to know what he's doing about that. I would rather just directly message, hey, could you tell me a little bit about how you did this, this, this? And he, if he answers that question, that's mentorship. Ah, right. It right? doesn't have to necessarily be a that's, formal thing. You just take an information when you can yeah, get it. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a formal thing. Yeah. I mean, maybe people listening to the podcast, you're their mentor, right? You're sharing the information. You're bringing on other expert guests. So you're their mentor. So mentorship doesn't have to be this formal relationship where we're meeting every day for coffee. Right. It could just be like, hey, I have this burning question. I keep making this mistake in my trading. You know, here's what my spreadsheet is saying. What do you what do you think I could do about it? And they answered your question. That's mentorship. Now, if you don't act on it, then it's not mentorship, right? Right, right. Um <laughs> uh- Okay, I got a couple other just questions that I like to just ask, just based on your experience uh, helping uh, traders through through the room and then through with the book as well. Can you kind of speak to some of the common issues that you see the struggling traders dealing with? And then, like, what do you tell those yeah. people when they do come to you for help? I think the biggest mistake traders make is, again, trading without a plan. They don't have any plan of when they're going to buy the stock, when they're going to get out if they're wrong, when they're going to get out when they're right. They don't have any of that. They're just trading on emotion, on their whim. I feel this stock is going to mm-hmm. do this. I think this stock is going to do this. What you think doesn't really matter. Yeah. Like the market is bigger than you and I. The market was here before we were born. It's going to be here long after we die, right? So the market knows everything and you are not smarter than the market. In fact, take a look at the most so-called experts like Jim Cramer or biggest hedge funds in the world. They were all down last year right. in 2022. They all lost money in 2020. So clearly nobody knows anything, right? It's just about finding your own little edge and then following that discipline trading plan. You got to stick to it, not trade on emotion. And I think people get caught up in the two biggest emotions, fear and greed, you know? And uh, yeah. you know, Warren Buffett talks about buy and hold, but what most people end up doing is buy and hope. Yeah. Yeah. And hope is not a strategy. <laughs> so like, what are some of the, the tools that you give those people to try to help shift them from that emotional trading towards like actually like having a thought out plan? Yeah. So you have to backtest your trades. So you have to go back in time and say, okay, if if I took the same exact technical, let's say trading pattern, how did it do over the last one year, six months, last hundred trades, if I took this pattern, what are the statistics of that? Mm-hmm. So if, if I ask a trader, okay, you're taking this trade, what are the odds of this trade over the last few years? And if they can't answer that, then you don't have a plan, right? Right. Like a, a casino knows to the penny pretty much that this is their edge. It's I think 0.5% edge is what casinos have. Very small edge. But they don't mind if somebody wins a big hand at the casino. Right. They just want you to keep playing. Yep. Right. Hey, here's a free drink. You know, here's some girl who's going to massage you. Just stay. Just keep playing. Because they know the longer you play, their edge is going to work in their favor and they're going to be coming out ahead. And so a trader needs to answer if I ask, okay, what's your win loss ratio? Right. What's your win rate? What's your expectancy? Uh, And you need to be able to answer those questions and do your homework and do your due diligence because. I mean, people are competing against this traders from big hedge funds, Goldman Sachs, right? Mm-hmm. My company. Uh, if you're competing with them, because trading is a competition, anytime you're buying a stock, there's somebody on the other side selling it to you. So either you're right or either he's right. So you're, if you're going to compete in this competitive landscape, you need to know your odds. What are, What is your edge? What is How much of an edge do you have? You know. So I think we talked about this earlier. If I'm going to be winning, let's say, five out of 10 trades, I'm going to be losing on five. But if I know that if my winners are twice the size of my losers, if I just ensure that part, 
well, then I'm a profitable trader. I don't need to do it. think about anything else. Speaking of the zero sum game that you kind of mentioned there, like, is there a concern that if you taught everybody how to trade correctly, that uh, nothing would work anymore? Uh, not really, because uh, I understand that humans are emotional. Uh, so even if you teach them everything, right, they're going to do something stupid. <laughs> I can so, speak for that. <laughs> you know. yeah. So I mean, we all can. We've all yeah, done that yeah. at certain times <laughs> in our career. So I think uh, that's why I'm not concerned about it because, you know, it's not technically a zero-sum game, technically, right, because yeah. let's say I could buy a stock at 45, right? Let's say I sold it to you at 46. You sold it to somebody else at 47, right? Mm-hmm. And and we're all making money along the way. There's going to be the one guy at the end who's going to come out losing, but we all made money along that journey. So, uh, you know, and, and the difference is we could all be in the exact same stock, mm-hmm. right, at the exact same time. But our returns will be vastly different based on when we entered the stock. Right. And when we get out of the stock, it could be the exact same thing. You could have Tesla in your portfolio. I could have Tesla in my portfolio. Our returns are going to be vastly different based on where we entered and exited. So I think um, that is a, I don't think that's ever going to be, the market's way too big uh, for, you know, and I don't have that much of an impact <laughs> to, uh, you know, to everybody. Um. Uh, starting to kind of run up to the end here. So I think I just kind of want to ask you uh, one or two more things here. Let's start with uh, like, if you, if you can go back in time and give yourself information, like what would you tell like the struggling you to try to like help alleviate some of the pains that you, you encountered on your journey? I'd, I'll tell myself, A, be, be more patient, right? Don't try to get rich quick. Don't try to go for the home run. Just focus on singles and doubles. And uh, trade with discipline. You know, nobody knows anything. We're markets way bigger than you and I. So let's just stick to what we have back tested that we know it works. And let's not use our judgment that this is going to be the next big company. It doesn't matter. <laughs> right? Just take good trades along the way. Singles and doubles. Don't try to hit home runs like a lot of these crypto people were trying to hit. Right. Uh, let me ask you this now. Had somebody come and gave you that talk, do you think you would have listened to him or do you think it would have made any difference along the way? Or do you think you have to kind of go through those hardships in order to really solidify those lessons? I think I would have definitely um, paid a lot more attention to it, but but I think you're, you're totally spot on. You kind of have to mess up, right? Yeah. Because uh, that's when the emotions really, you can feel your emotions, you know, that feeling when you take a big loss and it feels like somebody punched you in the stomach, mm-hmm. you know, you yeah. feel like throwing up. So I think you need to go through that to a certain extent. Now, what a mentor and stuff can ensure is that those downturns are not damaging or it's not going to cause you to blow up, right? Like that's one of the things because you need to have money in your account to be in order to trade consistently. So, um, but yeah, I still think I would still had to have messed up. That's just my personality. Like I learned the hard way. I make stupid mistakes and I'm like, okay, not do it again. Just like a child, he, he puts his hand on a hot stove and he's like, oh, I'm not going to do that again. It's exactly the analogy I was thinking of. Yeah. yeah. Like, I told you it was hot. Why'd you do it? Well, I didn't know what hot was. <laughs> <laughs> totally. All right. That's uh, what we are. Last thing then. Do you have any uh, anything else you want to say about the book or any other uh, resources that you'd like to point people to who maybe want to learn more about some of the stuff we talked about today? Yeah, definitely. If anybody's interested in trading, investing, you could uh, you know visit livetraders.com or livetradersguide.com where you'll get a free introductory course and a guide. That's little where you can get started and maybe you watch it and you're like, okay, this is not for me. And, you know, that's totally fine. Uh, but that'll give you a pretty good insight. Uh, in terms of the book, uh, you know, it's on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, Prepping for Success. The One of the biggest things I talk about in the book, as uh, we talked about earlier, is integrity. Mm-hmm. Being a man or woman of integrity. Do what you said you're going to do and then do it when you said you're going to do it. I mean, just think about 
how much your quality of your life would be different if you did every single thing you said you're going to do. And you did it when you said you're going to do it. Like life would be so much better. You'd be way more successful. So I think that's one of the most important keys to live by. And, uh, and yeah, people can always reach out to me on Instagram or Twitter. Uh, my username on both of those is Delta90, uh, D-E-L-T-A-N-I-N-E-T-Y. Don't ask me why. I had a long time ago. Didn't change it. <laughs> Delta90. Okay, I got that. Now, make sure I have all those links in the episode description. Uh, fortunately, we have come to the end of our time with Anmal here. But remember that every setting sun leads to a new dawn. Uh, I'd like to say thank you, Anwal, for, for like we said, the short turnaround for getting over here and the uh, just the great discussion about uh, uh, psychology and just self-improvement. Uh, I, I've been digging more into the psychology the more I've been learning about trading, and I just love these discussions. I love learning more about myself. Micro-negotiations, I'm going to be on the lookout for those. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that, and uh, great chatting with you as well. Thanks for having me. Like we said, we can check out the book, uh, Prepping for Success. You can find that on Amazon or Barnes & Noble, as he mentioned, and also LiveTraders.com or LiveTradersGuide. We'll have all those links in the episode description so you can check them out your convenience. We'll be back soon with another exciting episode, but until that day, invest in yourself by hitting that five-star button so we can keep getting quality guests like Anmol to learn from and take care. Two Bulls in a China Shop is an entertainment program, and all thoughts and opinions expressed in the show belong to the hosts and not of any company. They are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide entertainment about stocks and the financial industry of trading. If you make trades based on what you hear in this show, you assume all risks for those trades.